Welcome to the PT Mentor Academy podcast. So with this series of podcasts we're about to be putting out is directly off the group program that we are running. So essentially what happens is we help personal trainers who are looking for structure, self-development and business acumen, marketing, client management, so forth and so forth. And each week, the guys on the group submit um, questions through a check-in form and we that they want more elaboration on, they want a little bit more context on um, outside of the normal comms that goes on in the group. And we thought it would be good to record this for both them, uh, this stream straight into the group, but actually put it on a podcast as well for, them, for a bit more easier and accessible listening and Anybody who else who is struggling or wondering about the certain questions the guys are bringing up, there's a massive variety of questions in there um, that it could hopefully help people out there as well. So um, some episodes are longer than others. Generally, it lasts around 20 to 40 minutes. Um, And yeah, hope you get a lot out of this if you're listening. If you have any additional questions you want us to answer and put, put into the podcast, um, please submit them through the show notes. There's an email there. You can pop a pop a question in. Uh, and yeah, hope you enjoy, guys. Away we go. Right, ladies and gents. Weekly Q&A. Off the back of your checking questions. And some of them are absolutely mega this week. Um, so can't wait to get stuck into them. Nicholas <clears throat> is with us. Let's just go with where should we start? Let's go with right. Are we ready? Are you ready? Yeah, good man. I couldn't see you then. Right, here we go. So, first one. Hopefully this makes sense because you have to assess the needs and prescribe to a client what they need to build the service on a landing page for people to buy online coaching. For example, would you still mention what online coaching includes? For example, check-ins, nutrition guidance, et cetera, et cetera, when they might not actually need some of it. I would say, yes, just put it on. Let people see the features of your service and so they can understand what online coaching is. So in short, yes, put that on. Nick, anything to add? Um, if it's, a bes- if it's yeah, I agree. If it's bespoke, if it's a bespoke service you're offering, then I would always add in, based on consultation. <clears throat> if it's, you just literally have a page where someone can purchase without going through that process and it's not as bespoke, it's more of a cookie cutter, low um, low price point, then then yeah, yeah, I would, yeah. Yes to both, but a bit more detail if, the, if it's for the bespoke. I can't even train of thought. Today. Okay. 
for those who listen to this back on the podcast, if there's a lot of pricing-based questions or prescribing to the need-based questions, it's basically because the guys in the group program have gone through that this week and it's blew their head off. So if you're hearing a lot of the same questions, you know why. Which brings me on to the next question. Once I've reviewed my pricing, do I increase my current face-to-face client's pricing, even if it's quite a bit higher, or gradually bring it up? I'm unsure what to do on this. Okay. Let's go this specifically to yourself. couple of different considerations and they are considerations because I feel it'd be wrong to say yes get everybody in line on the same you know ideally that would be good but in practical terms sometimes that's a little bit more difficult so first thing is I would I would understand each client first of all where they're at obviously if someone has just started to train with you and then bang, you're increasing their pricing without them really feeling or seeing the value of that, then you can expect a bit of a kickback. Um, So I think measure where everybody's at in regards to how long they've been with you, et cetera. Um, That's the first thing I would do and make a judgment call based on whether you increase that incrementally or if you give yourself a bit of a timeline for example, um, maybe three months down the line where then you're working towards. And the key thing here is if you, if people are just, I'm going to say just bought personal training hours, but if people have bought personal training hours, like block sessions, whether you do that monthly or whatever, then they haven't felt or understood the value of, the nutrition side, the coaching, the check-ins, the reviews, all that kind of stuff that you're now adding in and trying to um, reflect in the overall price. So the first thing is they need to feel they need to feel what how um, beneficial and valuable those other elements of the service are. And I think obviously taking your time over that if they are new um, is important. Um, but on the other hand, <laughs> you can tell I'm not with it. Can you? Uh, on the other hand, if someone's, if you know, majority of your clients have been with you for a bit, um, then. I would, I would start to increase to get everybody in line, especially if you've got, you know, quite a few clients and essentially you've just added all this or these other bits in without, without reflecting that in the price or, and or without them really valuing it. So I would always give yourself time on this. First of all, I'd always, always give yourself some time, you know, 30 to 60 days notice to bring everybody in line first thing second thing um i would do is when you are communicating this to them do it formally do it informally like you can't over communicate 
in explaining why that why has got to benefit the client no end it, it can't just be you know i've been charging you this but actually i messed up and now i'm going to charge you this because i've realized i'm working a lot i'm working a lot more than i get um for less money or i didn't factor that in so the benefits when you increase the pricing it's got to directly benefit the client um and the last thing I'd say on that, and I've waffled a little bit, is another thing I would suggest is that having another option for those people to kind of fall into if that price point isn't viable for them, whether that's they're on a you face to face, if that's on a hybrid model, whether that's an online coaching, whether that's drop into a group, etc. Hopefully that answers your question roundabout. Um, the next question is very similar. How to up money? I know you just did this and went through it, but pure struggling with it. Feel like my clients could just leave me. But then does that mean they're probably not right, not the right type of clients? I think Nick's just answered that um, and kind of summarized it at the end. So the stages that you would do it in personally. Um, and I don't think I'd change that too much. It'd be, first of all, so them steps, again, just to kind of reiterate what Nick just said, them steps would be sit down and self-assess why you're doing it and put the context behind it so you're confident to deliver it. So I've increased my value, I've increased my service, I've increased my knowledge, I've increased my level of consistent results, whatever that is, to give you the confidence and get that down. Self-assess your clients. So if you're in the group program, on the tab, the accountability tracker, see who's great with adherence, who's not so great, and start to have a look at the reasons why for that. Um, off the back of it, the clients that are getting great results, they'd be the first that I'd go to first because they'll probably value the most and go through the communication lines Nick's just gone through. So formally communicate, sit them down and talk them through it. Um, and why are you doing it? Obviously on levels of results, levels of service, um, all of that type of stuff. And then off the back of that, always have that, like Nick's just said, always have that second product or third product there. So for example, if they're currently paying £100 for online coaching and you're upping that to £150, um, maybe it's once you've presented that and they can't afford it, so they want to do it, but they just can't afford the extra £50 a month, then they slip into your group programme, which is either the same price or just slightly less or whatever. So you've always got an alternative to keep someone in the business. Um, so yeah, I don't think there is anything else to that. It's just a bit of a process. One thing I wouldn't do is just drop it on the toes and expect everyone to just get it because then you will lose clients. Um, so I'd probably give it a good 30 to 60 days for you to do that. And that's about it. Next question. Would you recommend using a social media automation tool to allow you to create and schedule posts in advance? Yes, I would. Yes. Um, yeah, a million percent. Like, honestly. Um, yeah, I would Facebook. The Facebook Studio Creator seems to be the, the the one that most PTs are going for right now. Like, I used Hootsuite in the past. or We used Hootsuite, should I say. Um, and I think that is the thing of the past now. I'm sure there's other things out there. I don't use them. I just have a backlog of notes and posts sat in my phone or on Canva. Um but mine don't take too much thinking with them templates, so I'm all right. Um, 
So yeah, I, I would, and I try and get at least seven days done in advance every single week. So you can stay ahead of the game a bit because you just don't know what might crop up. Like something might happen in life, in business, where it takes you away from being able to post and it's the main source of lead generation and revenue for you. So yeah, 100% I would prioritize trying to get some type of automation tool in there or find a way to schedule um, the best that suits you. Um, what else we got? Not a question, but this week has been massive for me. I feel like I've taken big steps. I'm looking critically at my business and trying new things. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Not a problem. Um, Nick, I'm rattling through these questions here, mate. I'm the question man today. With regards to pricing, here we go again. I was, I was only working in the gym for three weeks before they closed again. So I have been building my online coaching for the time being. Well done, by the way, for doing that. How would you go about explaining the increase in price to a client who would like add in face to, to add in face-to-face -face coaching once the gyms reopen? That's actually a really good question. Are you there, Nick? I can't see you. Yes, I am there. There you are. Here. <laughs> Um, so this is an interesting one because I'm not sure if you mean you're doing remote coaching now so what's going to yeah I know online and remote it's difficult isn't it because okay if you're doing if you're doing remote um, which for people listening is what we say what we call zoom sessions which a lot yeah, of people now are calling online so the remote when we say it Obviously, we're like two old men who, yeah, we would just relate everything to online or remote, don't we? Zoom is remote. Yeah, so if you're doing, I, th I think first of all, like you've obviously, oh, how can I explain this without, if you're doing remote sessions and you're going back into face-to-face, Technically, nothing should change, but it depends on what price point you put the remote at. If that's kind of, kind of quite a lot lower than you would have done on a face-to-face -face in the gym floor, then yeah, it's a difficult scenario to hit because then going then if we go back the other way, then what's going to happen? That person will expect that to go back down again. Do you know what I mean? So first of all, um, give us some more context on that because I don't want to just leave you as a blanket. This, um, But if it's online coaching, as in there's no one hour me on Zoom and on the other side coaching for that hour, if there's none of that involved and it's like programming, accountability, check-ins, maybe community support for a Facebook group, if it's kind of, structure routine and accountability rather than physical not well face-to-face -face coaching whether that's remotely or not um then essentially you're adding in a bigger amount of investment of time into that individual so you price accordingly if that's two sessions a week in the gym plus what they're doing already there and you're at 30 pound an hour then you'd be adding on that you'd be added on accordingly to that to that monthly cost um just give us some more context. 
Yeah, just give us some more context so that we can answer the first bit, if that's the case, a little bit more detail and help you out there. Just to go back over this, if it is online coaching, and this is for everyone, um, say, for example, I've, I've just been going through what Nick's just said there. I've, I've just been online coaching someone for, say, £100 a month, which is programmes, check-in, um, a bit of nutrition support whilst COVID's happening. And now they're interested when the gym's back open to do face-to-face -face coaching. This is where it becomes, this is where our industry's got it so wrong, like in a sense of, because if we're charging them a hundred pounds for programming, check-ins, supporting a group and so on, and then we're face-to-face -face coaching, what we're doing then is adding on the coaching. So if I'm then 30 pound an hour for, for a coaching session face-to-face -face, and I, I deliver that coaching session face-to-face -face for one or two sessions per month, then either, 120 or 240 pound is going on top of that price. So what we're saying is for the whole service, if I'm coaching you for two sessions a week, plus the distance support, it's 340 pound a month. Or if it's one session, it's 220 pound a month. So this is where, and that's what we're delivering. Like that's what's going to get the result. Um, whereas obviously as an industry in the past, we've just charged for the hour of personal training sessions alone. So if you are making that, and this will, so many people, this will happen to so many people. If you are making that transition, what you can't do is then just scrap the fact that you've charged them a hundred pound for distance coaching. Um, and then just incorporate that into the face-to-face -face coaching price. Like there's going to be a disconnect there and you're not going to be getting paid for what, for what you're doing. So yeah, just be careful on that. Next question. Who's going? Who's going? If a client is reluctant to goal setting with regards to short, medium, long term, and is only interested in short term goals, would you still stick to set, setting it out in this format or would you go with the way in which they prefer? The consultation was before we spoke about onboarding. Right, cool. Um, so I now know it might have been a lack of MI. You know what? I think it's a good opportunity to. Um, to practice these coaching skills. I think at the end of the day, you've taken them on. They're training with you. Um, meet them where they're at at the moment. Definitely meet them where they're at at the moment. Don't try and pull that because if there's resistance and we go up against that resistance, that's just going to create a bigger, a bigger wall and a bigger uh, gap between us and the client. So I would say definitely meet them where they're at. Um, just use... And, and I would say, take the word goal out, take the word, um, use maybe something a little bit different and might, that might trigger something, a different wording. So aspiration, focus, target, time, that kind of stuff might resonate with them differently. And I think just chipping away over that kind of short term period, um, will ultimately get you to the place where you go, I couldn't have done any more. I think it's great that you've recognised it. Um, but I think just short, you know, short things, um, sorry, short and consistent kind of, I, I think not, I don't want to use the word check-in, but conversations based on this or questions based on this, where it doesn't involve, you know, what you've already tried before because there's been resistance against it might open them up to explore different things thereafter. And I think also 
you know, you being you being professional and kind of going, right, well, we're coming with two and a half, three weeks into this month now. What's going to happen for the month ahead? I need to know to confirm X, Y, and Z. And I think over time you can just work on that a little bit, in my opinion. Next question. Say you've gone through a consult and the conversation's gone well. The client has bought into the plan of action, but their sole objection is price. How would you go about handling that if you've recommended three sessions a week, for example, and they can only afford one? Would you meet them there at one session? If so, would that be devaluing what you have prescribed? Who's going? Um. Yes, it would be devaluing what you prescribed. Um, we've got to explore the disconnect in um, potentially what they want versus what they need. Um, how quick of a transition into the consultation was that? How much do they know um, that they need? Um, what understanding have you given them of what they need? Um, how much value has been delivered between you and them? So I would explore that because that would then give you an option to go, do I need to split this over a couple of consults um, to drive that value so they really, really understand um, that they need frequency because, and for you saying three sessions a week, there's obviously the frequency must be because they've got low confidence, low motivation, low levels of education, self-efficacy, all of that type of stuff. So I'm, I'm guessing that that's the reason why. Um, and then I'd explore kind of different things like have, could I reduce the price in a sense of, um, if I'm if I'm asking them to do three times 60 minute sessions, could I do three times 30? Because that would then help with the level of frequency, which will therefore bring about that competence, confidence, self-efficacy and all that. And the only thing that kind of gets disrupted is the time in the session, but I can plan accordingly for that. So would they, would I be able to still get them the same result by delivering three times 30 and bringing that price down and meeting at that level? I wouldn't drop the frequency if you've identified that they absolutely need that. Um, and this goes for, I think this come up another time as well is if a client can't afford face-to-face -face coaching, do you drop them into online coaching? If you've turned around and said that they need face-to-face -face coaching, is online coaching going to be a, a poor model for them? Nine times out of 10, yeah, because there's a reason why they need that level of commitment and um, consistency of seeing someone at first. So in a nutshell, um, it does devalue your service if you drop the price and meet them where they're at, but you have got options. So three times 30 instead of three times 60, potentially putting them into another product. Like, I don't know if you do small group training or hybrid or something like that. But if you've identified that they absolutely need frequency, you need to stick to your guns with that. And if they can't afford it, maybe send them on their way to, to save up and come back. Because otherwise it's like, yeah, I use the analogy all the time. It's like going to the doctors and the doctor's telling you you need 14 days of antibiotics, but you can only afford to buy seven. So that's what you get. And then you don't get any better. And I know that's a really shit analogy, but it's just to put it into perspective slightly. You're trying to make people better, think better, feel better, move better, um, be more educated. It's a fucking big job to try and get that done and see someone once a week. And nine times out of 10, that doesn't matter. That doesn't happen. So that's that. Um, next question. Currently just, um, hey, what? Hey, I currently just ask my clients to pay via bank transfer, but I know, but I now want to start setting up direct debits. My main worry is that 
it may prevent people from signing up, blah, blah, blah. They don't want to commit to direct debit. Any tips on overcoming this barrier? Yeah, it's probably a bigger barrier for you than it is for them. Um, the majority of people pay their bills. I mean, and look at look at the people in the gym. They can't come to the gym without, without um, using a direct debit. So I think that's probably more of a barrier for you rather than them, mate, because it's new. Um, uh, the other thing on the flip side, if that's if that's the case, then something's broken down in the onboarding or the, or from the marketing, hundred um, percent. If anything, think about the pros and cons of this. Direct debits you can cancel at any time. First of all, you can cancel at any time, so they're not trapped. Um, secondly, think about the positives and the and the advantages to that client okay because i know you've got right i can see the advantages of me having this direct debit system in my business what about for the client well first of all they don't have to worry about going to the bank like traditionally people do when they're paying cash number two it's within their it's factored into their monthly budget um, number three there's no conscious effort on their part to make sure that they're paying you um Number four, there's a there's a electronic record of things going back and forth. Um, so and and number five, actually, it's more manageable from their perspective on seeing what they're paying for and what they're not paying for. Um, so get that. I, I think I don't want to. If if it's a problem for the client. Then, the, that, then there's a breakdown that's gone through in the onboarding, i.e. they're not really fully understanding what they're signing up for um, or and or they don't fully believe that by signing up for that, that they're going to get the results. So rapport, value, belief has been broken down throughout the process, in my opinion. Question number two, if you, if you get a cold lead message you would ask them to fill out a pre-consult and book a call. I'm unsure what to do and usually do a shorter version of a consult through messaging. If you, if you get a cold lead, message, right, sorry. <laughs> you would ask them to fill out a pre-consult on booking floor. Okay, so <clears throat> I think this is like if you get a DM, I'm re that's what I'm reading that as, are you reading that as that? Um, so exactly the same on your email, I would, or, or, um, what you've got on your link tree, um, automated responses on, on your inboxes for this specific thing. Like if you're inquiring, if you're inquiring to work with me, X, Y, and Z, you know, fill this form out, this is the next step, blah, blah, blah. That's, I think that's that's the most important thing or have like a copy and pasting where if you've been having a conversation back and forth with someone and they're kind of going, well, I'm interested in working with you, then it's something you can just plug in. Um, so yeah, that's what I'd say on that. Anything to add on either of those? Yeah, I just never do any type of consult over a message. So just try and avoid ever doing that. Make sure that you're booking them in to either get a form, analyze the form and then book them in for the next step or that you're doing a call off the back of that pre-consult. 
I'd never do it over a message. That's it. Um, How do I deal with clients that are so obs so obsessed eating a takeaway most nights? I've tried the home cook method, but doesn't want to eat our own cooking. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> Go on. But, but um, before you start, like I'm timing, and so I'm going to cut you off. Fucking says you today, Jesus Christ. Go. War and peace. Go. Um, okay. Master the art of motivational interviewing because essentially we need to take this person from that level of um, ambivalence of what she's doing right now to knowing what she needs to do to move forward. Um, also, we have to make sure that she reflects on that this is the cause of her problem because if she's not identifying it, which is a massive part of behavior change and motivational interviewing, if she's not, if they're not identifying this as something that's stalling progress and affecting them, it's going to be difficult to get any type of change from them. Um, so you, there, there are a couple of things that you could go and read into and look into to, to get better at this, but um, it just so happens actually on Thursday night, we'll really help you out with this because we're going to go through motivational interview and self-determination theory, which will help with this, with this client. I think it's a good client to have because it's not the first person that you're going to come up against with this. Like it's going to come up like in many different formats, like probably alcohol is going to come up at some point with clients that are having it every night and that's potentially affecting progress. But I think what we need to do is remove any type of biases that we may have as being that's good and that's bad and sit neutral and just ask open-ended questions to this type of client to get them to reflect and speak out loud on potentially how that's affecting their progress. Recognize that. So give them some affirmation off the back of them. That's brilliant that you've recognized that. What do you see that you potentially could do to, to kind of move this forward and make you feel better and all of that? Let them come up with just one action point, right? And this is really important because for something like this, they need to see a level of success from it. And that might come, might not come in a format of how they feel after a meal or, and if it might come on what money they've saved, all right? Or I don't know if they've got kids, what time it invested into the kids to make the meal together as a family, something different, right? Um, so explore that that first win, that first habit, celebrate the living daylights out of it, and then move on to try and establish the level of change talk so they can see success from it going forward. So one thing I wouldn't do is try and bang your head against the brick wall and tell them that they need to remove this and need to get better with it, all of that type of stuff. I think my challenge would be as the coach is how can I, yes, reduce this level of um, takeaways and stuff like that because it's not great for them and it's taken into a surplus of calories, but how can I keep this in to a, to a certain amount, whether that's three or four days, and still help them um, to lose weight so they can see, actually, I can still have this, but I can have it in moderation, still live my life, and still see success from having a personal trainer and losing weight. So I know there's lots to think about off the back of that, and there's no definitive answer because I don't know the client, but hopefully that gives you enough information to, to go off and explore and and help you out with it. But Thursday's session will help you out loads with it. Anything you'd add? No. Well, starting the conversation on social media that you're a coach and have one-to-one -one spots available other than grid posts. That's a really good question, that, because I'm sure there's a lot of PTs thinking like this at the minute. Um, go on, do you want to go first? I'll give some bullet points to this. So first of all, 
first of all, you've got to recognize that what you put the, the message and how you put things out onto social will obviously reflect um, people understanding what you do and what you're there for. Does that make sense? So that's the first thing, like just audit, like, and that could be from, and not, that's not changing who you are or how you kind of put things out or your personality at all, but it's more about kind of, you know, sharing um, experiences with clients, um, doing this kind of stuff that we're doing, like answering questions that people, other people might find um, interesting or they're asking themselves the same type of questions, a bit of social proof. I think that is a very direct, direct, indirect way of, of kind of putting that message out there. Um, and stories is a great way of doing it as well. IGTV is a great way of doing it as well. Um, I think just having that kind of social proof without just kind of standing there and saying, I'm a coach, um, will really help, I guess, people starting to engage who actually are looking for a coach or want help or are bought into your personality, but actually not sure, maybe not aware of the fact that you're a coach like you've alluded to there. So those are the first couple of things that come straight into my head. Go. No, I'm just like social proofs massive. So people can start to see, and I'm not talking just transformation pictures. Um, maybe it's, um, a bit of a video of you and a client talking through their check-in that week. Maybe it's um, a client exploring certain wins within their week that some people will see as um, easy, achievable wins for them. So social proof is massive. Um, showing proof of concept is massive as well. So letting them see inside your business so they recognize that you're a coach and what you do with inside your business. So that might be you talking through how you're programming. It might be giving an insight into... Um, the, the check-in process, the nutrition support, and you walking people through that on videos, IGTV or whatever, that gives the context behind the coach. So I think that's really important. And what I would say is just get down as many things as possible, What, why someone would need a coach and talk about the context behind them things. So that's like structure, it's routine, it's motivation, it's accountability, it's um, knowledge, it's all of that. And it's how can you pull them pieces of information out into your content um, and then explain that this is, for example, to help with structure that removes overwhelm and helps people gain control of how they think and feel. These are some of the things that I put in place and that's a post. And then you're talking about the context behind the coach. Um, so yeah, that's the only thing that I would add to that. Without it being blatant, I am a coach. Yeah. I sell personal training. Um, because then actually, if you do what we've just said, you, it then gives you the right to now and again do that, if that makes sense. Um, yeah. Next is, part of that. Yeah. Sorry, you finished. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, is having two levels of your one-to-one -one service a good idea or would you say that, say, start with one then build it out from there? I think... I think if you have two levels, you're trying to potentially assume that the actual ideal level isn't going to cut through for people. So it's having, I think, first of all, it's having a bit of confidence in oh, two, two different levels. Um, you know what, if it makes you feel confident in presenting options to people, right, then I think that's, that's the reason why I would have to, to, 
levels of service, but you're, and again, if you're offering this on a one-to-one -one service, then you're prescribing based on what that person is kind of going over their wants, their needs, their challenges, etc. So off the back of that, like the question that we had earlier, if your two levels are maybe, you know, the ideal and then another level down where you keep all the principles of that prescription, but you maybe take some of the time down, which will reflect in the cost. If that's what you're talking about, that's a great way of building up your confidence um, with those things. Yeah. So it depends yeah. where you're at, I guess. Yeah it, does. yeah, it does depend on that. And what, what I would say is, is I don't know who this question is from. I can't see who it's from. It doesn't really matter. Just be really wary about the message that you're putting out so it's really clear and concise for people. So if I'm delivering a group program, that's what I'm talking about. If I'm delivering one-to-one -one and one product, that's what I'm talking about. As soon as then we have multiple different things going on at the same time on the same page and it just becomes a little bit messy for people and it doesn't really home in on, yeah, I really want and need what she or he is delivering. It's, it, yeah, it just becomes a little bit of a mixed message. So all I would say is keep it as simple as possible for yourself um, and then build on that when the desire is there. Um, it's it's more it's more you versus will this be attractive to a client it's definitely that this is definitely for more you than it is to put out there um so i yeah yeah get where you're comfortable at yeah is that the final question that's the final question brilliant okay happy days so i'm gonna Start recording for the podcast, podcast peeps, spit it out, son. And then we'll just stay in the group for a minute once.